Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? Uh, I have a bone to pick. Not a bone to pick because it, it was true, but people, uh, there was a conversation that happened about the haunting at Hill House. I don't know if you've watched this show. No. <clears throat> Great show. Phenomenal show. Beautiful show. Oh, so, that's the new show, right? On Netflix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Great show. Gotcha. Amazing show. I highly recommend. Um, somebody said, bring your tissues for the end of the show. Because, you know, so on and so forth. Spoiler. Finished the show last night. I didn't need to. I thought it was a beautiful ending. But no spoilers here for me. It was not even close to as sad as <laughs> the episode titled Bent Neck Lady, which was like episode number five. So when I was when I got when I heard that, I was like, oh, then I might not want to even finish this because that episode that I just talked that I just described ripped my heart out of my chest. It was tragic. So when I was up late last night because the daylight saving times kicked back. I was like, oh, I got an extra hour? Let me finish, go ahead and finish Haunting the Hill House. Mm-hmm. You know, I was ready to go to sleep. I had brushed my teeth, mm-hmm. ready to go down, lay down for bed. Clock, I look at my phone, it said two, looked at it again, one. I was like, oh, well, let me go get some <laughs> snacks because I'm not going to go to bed at two, at one. At one. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's Saturday night, party up, Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know how I get down. You know, I'm party animal. So put the uh, Haunting the Hill House on. Finish the episodes in, in the last episode. I I don't think you'll need maybe some people for, depending on how the show connects to you. You might need the tissues, but for me, uh, episode called uh, Bent Neck Lady was just oh, that was the most tragic episode of the season. So if you ever watched the show, friend, is it like a horror? It's uh, a horror show, show but it's, it's like it's like a it's another another show. You probably have you heard of This Is Us? Yeah, no. Well, it's like this is us is like this family show, and it goes uh, to the flashes back when to the kids and how the things that happened to them when they were kids affects them as the, as adults, and it's all this family drama kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's like that with ghosts. Oh, okay. That's what haunting a hill house is. It's like mm. this is us. It's like ghosts. This is us. <laughs> so if so, if it wasn't so scary, I think Sierra would love the show because she loves this is us. So I think because it deals with like addiction and how that rips apart families and. B- bent up anger and resentment. And what? And Which one are you talking about? I'm talking about uh, Haunting at Hill House. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, uh, but I think This Is Us also deals with that kind of stuff. Mm. So it's this kind of family show drama, but then a fucking 
a long faced ghost will come out of a corner and ruin your whole day. Like, oh yeah, you scream and get mm. scared. But the show's really, really, really good. Mm -hmm. But also, fucked up shit happens. Mm. So you can't just, you can't enjoy one and, and evade the other. So it's hard. Because I really think Sierra would love the show mm -hmm. until a ghost shows up in the show. And then I have to walk into the bathroom at 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow. So we have come to an agreement that she won't watch the show. She refuses. So I you watch to... it when she goes to bed, or yeah, yeah, I watch oh, okay. it at, at night. I prefer to watch it at night. I think I think watching scary stuff in the daytime is cheating and I it's agree. cheap. And it's, I agree. That's not a part. That's not what it's for. Steph does that. And yeah, even if you draw the blinds, it's it's, it's light. You should be pitch black, dark in the room. It's supposed to scare. Supposed to get scared. That's the yeah. whole point of watching scary movies. You can't watch Jeepers <laughs> Creepers at at noon with all the blinds open uh, and there's sunlight everywhere. It's like that, that's nothing. Right. So, but anyway, I disagree with the finale of Hunt, uh, Hunting in Hill House. You needing tissues from my perspective. That's how I feel. I think that uh, the Bent Neck Lady episode is one of the most tragic, heartbreaking things I've ever seen in television. So that's where I stand on that. So I, that didn't compare to that episode to me for sure. But that's just my opinion. Anyway, what's going on, friend? How are these uh, how are these uh, holiday seasons treating you, man? As uh, far as work going, rough. It's been rough. Um, the whole voting thing is going on right now, and the political, yeah. all, all that stuff's going on. People spend money to get that uh, promotion out there. A lot of it. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. the same ones every day, every week. Kill a lot of trees, man. I think I mean, email would do just fine. Yes. Sending out, come vote for me. That, you got I, I'm getting tired of ripping up these damn, uh, these damn, really, <laughs> they feel so good in your hand. It's like really nice they laminated thick. cardboard. Yeah. I got to rip it up, throw it in my recycling yeah. I bin. I mean, I got paper cuts on my hands because of those damn things. Yeah. So. I mean, so, uh, yeah, so that, that that becomes a job for you yeah. in a sense. You're like the street team mm -hmm. with no, and you have no political affiliation. You don't care who wins, and yet you're passing out no, I do 50 not. different people's flyers for to get them to come out and vote for them. Yep. It's them smiling. Hey, yep. I like trees. Them trashing, you know, oh, throwing signs people? at other, you know, people oh. that's running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, like, yeah. shit. Yeah. So you really see the dark side of the yeah. On that flyer, it tells it all. They dirty, man. Fuck them. They dirty. It's no no rules. Yeah, fuck them. Vote for me. Yeah. Um. Other than that, everything's been fine. I did do some reading up on, um. since you didn't touch on the last week, about the 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 guy and the lady that was that was shot killed because of the hate crime. Yes, yes, that was um that yeah. I read up on that and it was like, I read it and I was upset at reading that. Yeah, because how scary it is. Yeah, and then us being that guy was supposed he went to try to go get into a church before he did that. Yeah, and what makes it scary is is us being black. I feel like we have a target on our backs and we don't even know it. Yeah, to me mm -hmm. because this guy sh was shooting people. Because their skin color, mm -hmm. and then it was they had they did an interview with a guy that was out in the parking lot waiting for that yeah, song, and that. he was like, you know, don't shoot me, whites yeah. don't shoot whites. I'm like, yeah. I mean that's that shit is scary as fuck. Yeah. I mean, you out at the store with your grand with his grandson, I think, or something like that, or yeah, one of them was uh at the well, they were both at a um one was inside the store, one was outside. Yeah, they were both at a Kroger's, I think it was, and um the guy ran up in there, he started firing. And uh, yeah, he killed Vicky Lee and Maurice Stallard, and they were just going to go to the grocery store. That's sad. On That's a weekend, scary, man. You know, plans to go back home, just running out to go to the grocery store, and then you never came back home. And one of the scariest things to me is that 
that interview that that guy did was weird. And the stone face that he said that, like, that was just a matter of fact. Like, yeah, he, he said whites don't kill whites. And it wasn't like he said that and then he said, what the fuck does that mean? Or why did he say that to me? He was like, like, that's law. And so with all the stuff that's been happening with all these, uh, the Proud Boys and all this internet stuff and people throwing up the, the like, the hand sign, the white guy, like the okie dokie hand gesture thing is supposed to be this white supremacy thing. That's like a joke. Everybody keeps saying like, mm. it's, the, it's basically like become this thing where people are saying, oh, they're doing that symbol because they know it. If it's like getting people riled up, but mm-hmm. they just are doing a silly thing, but people are taking it very seriously. Mm-hmm. And so they do it more to like own the libs mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, no, I'm not a white supremacist. But they see me do this stupid hand gesture, and they think I'm a white supremacist, and that's funny to me. And the scariest thing of all that to me is the level of communication that that takes. Mm-hmm. To everybody's just on board with this is the sign, and mm-hmm. we that means that there's conversations happening that we have no idea about. And to yeah. touch back on the, the the part where you say we're targets and we don't even know it, there's so much shit going because if you if I only ran in the circles that I run in. As far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. Donald Trump's out of here in 2020, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet this dude does rallies in all these random states across this country, and there's fucking 20,000, 30,000 people in there, and the lines around the corner, and all this kind of stuff. So those polls and all that, that shit is wrong. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to that shit. Go out and vote your conscience, whatever that may be, this November 6th, and, 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 and vote for what you believe in, because... Don't let people tell you how the world is mm-hmm. because I haven't seen that, that, that story of those two people that got shot at that Kroger and the reason that they got shot at that Kroger, which was because a white man wanted to shoot them. Yeah. There's no, it wasn't a coincidence. No, this isn't some story where, Skin color. Uh, you know, the, sometimes a police officer just killed somebody cause he's a police officer mm-hmm. and it didn't have anything to do with race. Mm-hmm. And then people make it about race and conflate it. And they put emphasis on black and white in the story and mm-hmm. it just had nothing to do with it the black guy maybe reached for his pocket no. and it, none of that no this he went out to commit a racial act of violence right. against a group of people and it's getting no coverage like you said it went he went to a predominantly black church first couldn't get and it couldn't get it because it was locked happened. but they said that he went there early or whatever later or early he had, that door would have been unlocked the door been there. Mm-hmm. also i don't know if this is true but i read that he had he had uh his his ex-wife was black Oh. And I don't know if it's true. That's yeah. what I read. And she said that he used to call. They was married at some point or whatever. Uh-huh. And he used to call her a uh, uh, a nigga bitch. That's what he used to oh, call. Oh wow. Her. Yeah, but also, um, <laughs> it's just like what a weird thing to call. Also, you. I want to want to talk about. Correct me if I'm wrong or if you whatever input that you have to take. Uh-huh. Why is it that you know these white white people have the groups that well these kind of these kind of white people have the groups that where it's like oh. You know, whites don't shoot whites. We were protecting each other, uh-huh. and they aiming, you know, aiming at black people because our skin color that we can't control. Right. But why is it the black community is not like? I'm not saying that we should go on a ride and then target white people. I'm right. saying that why is it white people, you know, protecting their own and we're not, and we out here taking each other out. I I a, I just don't a, get that. That's a that's a that's a very good point that you make, and I think that um that is a it's kind of a loaded. It's kind of a loaded question because uh-huh. I think if you start to dive into that, it for me, it starts to attack my own values uh-huh. and the things that I believe. So I uh-huh. believe that when I hear that guy say that to the whatever he his his recollection of that story of whites don't kill whites, 
and it's like that's wrong right mm-hmm. but because i'm to me i'm like everybody should we should all just be equal people and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. like that but when you say the that and then you go if you take that and try to parallel it to the black on black crime mm-hmm. argument that happens in the news media which is there's a lot of you know statistics on that about just black people are all kind of mashed in the vicinity of each right. other for the most part uh-huh. and people kill intersectionally so you kill people that you know right so if all you're surrounded by is black people you're gonna kill black people okay also Mm -hmm. but also in that same sense a lot of the lower income neighborhoods are predominantly black Mm -hmm. so it's a high crime rate and then if uh, the more affluent people are deemed to be by society white people yes of course the poor people are going to attack the wealthy people. And mm-hmm. if black people are the poor people and white people are the wealthy people, as perception is, then when you see a white person, you're going to, you know, try to steal their wallet or whatever. And that's why, so that's why we get this no, this uh, stigma of we commit all the crimes and mm-hmm. and we kill each other and all this kind of stuff. And it all kind of goes back to the same, it's a class issue. Mm-hmm. It's, poverty is running rampant in this country and black people are just trying to, you know, Stay afloat. Yeah. And also, it's just, it's a whole bunch of the, the, the family structure has been taught. It's just such a, it's so much stuff. Yeah, right. To try to, right. to try to, uh, to say, well, you know, yeah, this group of uh, racist white people are sticking together. So why aren't all, because me and you don't shoot black people, right? right. So black people don't have to be monolithic. Like mm-hmm. me and you, I wouldn't say me and you are quote unquote ghetto, mm-hmm. right? But there is a population of black people that are quote-unquote ghetto and i would say we are different in our values from those people mm-hmm. and but black people don't get the opportunity to be that in in general society mm-hmm. like a white person can go oh yeah no white supremacy is awful man what that guy did that kroger is so bad mm-hmm. and he should be in jail and that's where it ends but for me if a black person goes out and commits a crime i have to I have to answer for that crime. Right. I don't have to just, I can't just go, oh yeah, that guy is bad. Society comes to me and changes their rules of mm-hmm. how they approach black people, changes their rule about how they speak to black people, people clutch their purse because black people are deemed a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and, and this is black, brown, you know, when the terrorist attacks right. happen, whatever, you know, the others have to answer for the whole race. Mm-hmm. Even though there's so much intersectionality and like, Black people who skateboard, black people who are gangbangers, black people who are, you know, work on Wall Street. It's so much, so many different types of black. Yeah. But I have to answer to why that kid shot that police officer in that in Baltimore County mm-hmm. a, a couple months. I have to. What, why? What's up with that? Why? What's up? With, why can't you guys get it together? Yeah. But white people could just get to go. I'm not racist. I don't know anything about a Ku Klux Klan. I don't know anything about that. Why? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why is that on me? And yeah. and then that's the end of it. They don't have to answer to that. And yeah. that's why uh, that's that's one of the biggest issues to me in this country is that I feel terrified when I see, you know, uh ignorant looking white men with guns, mm-hmm. right? But and th- those are real threats. Yeah. Those happen multiple guns, you know, shootings going people going to schools, all this kind of stuff. That happens once a once a month it feels like yeah. when's the last time a brown person like i mean it happens when's the last time a brown person you know came into this country and 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 blew something up it just st- statistically they both happen but one of them gets a lot more 
fear pumped into it and we're you know oh don't trust the brown people and all this kind of stuff and and that just that allows you to be able to continue to not change gun laws and not try to make do things that make sense where these things don't happen anymore mm-hmm. and and then you just kind of avoid having the conversation and move on until you got to do the same thing again next month and then avoid having the conversation and move on again mm-hmm. This country it's, has a real problem with not having conversations. Yeah, it's just it's a lot of it's a it's a lot of questions to be asked. It's it also it's like you bring up that point where if it's a black person that blows up, blows something up and a white person, who's getting who's getting the uh, the media attention? Yeah, the, the black the, person. The, the white guy was a lone wolf. <laughs> he they have all like, the excuses ready. His mom beat him and yeah. all this kind of stuff. But then if if the uh, the brown person let them don't let them also be Muslim, then it, it, was he was he uh in the Al Qaeda, a secret uh, sleeper cell right. bump. No, maybe he, his mom treated him like shit too. They turn it into this thing where it becomes an attack on the whole race mm-hmm. where that, like that white guy that shot up that video game, uh, Madden tournament. Mm-hmm. That was just some guy. He was just some crazy guy. Yeah. But statistically these mass shootings are taking place you know, by white men. And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to attack white men. I'm just saying, if you're going to be skeptical of people, be skeptical of all people right. and put the blame, you know, if this is beca- if this is a trend and you want me to go, okay, when I go to the airport, uh, I should report suspicious activity. And suspicious activity in this country is if you see a Middle Eastern person put a bag somewhere for a second and walk away from it, maybe they just went to the bathroom, I should call TSA. Mm-hmm. So if I... So with that happening, when all these uh, Caucasian men are committing all these mass shootings in a place, when we see a man who's white and looks a little sketchy walk into a crowded place with a briefcase, that person should not be. He should he should be deemed skeptical. We should we should all be skeptical of him as well. And that's just not what's happening in this country. Yeah. It's selective outrage. It's just yeah, like. But you read all this stuff and it's like, why? Why isn't anything changing? Why isn't anybody speaking up on it? Just like uh, with the guy we were just talking about, I was reading an article that said this guy had he had mental issues. Mm-hmm. But why is it that he has mental issues? But gun. he get able to get he able he's able to get a gun, but also he commits a crime, but it's targeted to black people. Mm-hmm. I, what I mean, what does that have to do with him having mental issues, though? Well, racism is a mental issue, and I don't know if it'll ever be fixed it the way the climate of the country is right now it's, it doesn't shit. look like it will be but it is now i'm not saying if you're racist that should be you shouldn't be able to get a gun but if you're a racist and you have a history of violence right. and you you these these should all be things that you should have to do to get to get a gun you should have to submit a psychological evaluation to right. a you shouldn't be able to just get a gun and then you know i i, I know our audience for the most part but there are people who might not agree with it. Also, I don't. I also don't know if this is political. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this is the world. I'm concerned when I go anywhere now because it's, of the right. climate of this country. That's not political to me, so I'm going to talk about it. Right. But um, I don't know if, if people will say, "Well, yeah, well, the issue isn't with legal gun ownership; it's with illegal gun ownership." People are being able to. So if you take all the guns from all the, you make it harder for people to get guns legally, and then all the criminals will have guns. I don't think it'll ever be impossible to get guns in this country. No. I don't I don't know why people it, they take it to the extreme whenever you just try to have a conversation about trying to fix an issue. So what what a lot of times when this conversation is had what happens is people go, 
So you want to take all the, what are you going to come round up the guns from all the legal gun owners and all the criminals that have guns? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that a person who beats their wife, a person who has a history of violence, a person who has a history of mental health problems, shouldn't have a gun. Shouldn't be able to get a gun. Period. Just willy nilly. Especially you know? legally. Yeah, you shouldn't be able to go get a gun through the proper channels. Right. You know, and then if you if that person wants a gun bad enough to go get a gun illegally, it's nothing then that's really that's nothing you can do about right. that. The illegal gun selling that's not something that we can that's not something we can fix. Right. But we can fix a lot of these gun shootings were happening from legal gun owners. That's 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 just true. Yeah. You know, now that's, street crime is a whole different thing. I can't yeah. I can't I'm not uh running for president. Mm-hmm. So I can't solve all the issues in America. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to stop gun violence on a local level and you know, Baltimore, you know, we have shootings all the time. There's just a shooting on Halloween. Two kids got shot on Halloween. So it's they like near that. Yeah, it's okay. like it, it happens every day. Yeah. It's but just the, you know, so it's there's no way to fix that. But you should be able to if we're talking about legal, that's the whole point of laws. So if you if people are buying guns legally and doing illegal things with them, then we should try to find a way to make make it harder for people with those kinds of issues to get guns. Yeah. It's it's scary. It, just being black, I, it's not even about, you know, the whole I don't want to get off so the whole police brutality thing, uh-huh. but it's just us being black. That shit is scary. Like it's it is, man. It's like you got to go out seeing shit like that. I was just like, god damn, I can't I can't go to the grocery store. Yeah, man. I get my head, my fucking brain's blown out for no reason because of my skin color. That's something I can't control. It's crazy, man. One of my favorite quotes is, um, I heard Donald Glover say in an interview where he said, being black, and it, it, maybe he got a quote, I don't want to misquote, maybe, but I heard it from Donald Glover. He said, being black is like being schizophrenic. Right? So you, you have to be so many different things in just a, sp- a span of an hour even, right? So at the same time that I'm afraid for my life, when a police officer is behind me, when I'm in public, just and I don't see a lot of black people around, I, I feel uncomfortable in society. Yeah, right. You know, just being in in a in a space that doesn't seem safe to me, no matter how safe it is. And I'm just just because I'm surrounded by a bunch of middle aged white people, I'm I feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. At that same time, I also have to battle with the fact that even though I'm the only black person here. There's somebody in this room who is skeptical of me and thinks that I'm I'm a threat of some kind. Yeah. So I have to both at the same time be on guard and present. Uh, I have to uh be uh on my pageantry shit. Smiley, smiley. Hey, I know I'm friendly, man. I'm not dangerous. Yeah. Hello. You know, but I'm so at the same time that I'm afraid, I have to try to de- disarm people from being afraid yeah. of me. Yeah. You know, it's just so many different things that we have to do. And code switch and talk to this person that way, but talk to that person that way and do this and, uh, you know, say this to this person to let them know I'm cool, man. I don't, I'm, I, I'm not ignorant. And it's so many things that we have to do on a day to day basis. And I'm not taking that away from anybody saying that they don't have to do that because we're black. I'm just saying that I can only speak from my perspective. Yeah. And right now, as, as my perspective as a, as a black man in America, it's a pretty scary time. Yeah. So I don't like when people say make condescending comments mm-hmm. about it's not as hard as it was and you know black people have come so far and why do y'all always complain about everything why why are y'all playing the race card and all that kind of stuff I take issue with that because it's real you know I mean, what I mean? people like, don't I'm not, like I'm not trying to play the victim I feel like a victim in yeah. this country I'm, I'm not trying to get over on you to get something mm-hmm. you know 
But no. realistically, it's like they don't want us here. It's like they don't want us here. And then the fact that, like you said, you gotta you gotta play your cards to you know the d- d- dis with disarm people. Mm-hmm. I mean, but looking on the outside, outside looking in, we all, as far as black people, we just want one type. We're all ghetto. Yeah. We just all ghetto. Yeah. We start stuff or violence and stuff like that. Yeah. I just it's and then you got that shit. I don't know if you saw the shit happened in my old high school, Kenwood. Oh that kid got the beat kid up that, from wearing the Confederate yeah. Confederate shirt. Yeah. That's fodder though. So now a bunch <laughs> of racist people that's that crazy. just that just made them double down on being racist. I can't even celebrate my heritage. I can't send my son to school with the Confederate I don't know why you would send your kid to a predominantly black school wearing that shirt though. I'm not trying to blame anybody I think you should be able to wear what you want yeah. without the fear of being beat up. But that was not a smart choice. No. You know what I mean? I wouldn't wear a Make America Great Again hat as a white man to the BET Awards. You just, you're asking for a conflict. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes that's what it is. You know, I don't know this kid. Maybe he just didn't have a clean shirt to wear. We, we've done plenty of stories where right. that's the case. You know, people are poor. This is the only shirt they have. It's a clean shirt. I don't think anything about it. I don't know. Confederate flag. We all have Confederate flag stuff in my house, you know, so I don't know. But to wear that to a predominantly black school, which I'm under the impression Kenwood still is, I don't think mm. that school has been gentrified. No. But so I'm under the impression that it's still a predominantly black school. For you to walk into that school with that shirt on, I believe you have every right to wear whatever you want, mm-hmm. but you can't control other people's energy. No. Just like you have, I have every right to go up to anybody in this country and say whatever I want to say. Mm. I have freedom of speech. I have no control over what that person's exactly. energy is back towards me. Right. So I think that person has every right to wear whatever shirt he wants to wear. But you should always, I wouldn't wear all red in a crip neighborhood. No. I, and and I, don't, I don't mean to you make can. it. You can. You can. You have every right to. <laughs> I could go out blue, right. blue. Blue jacket with the blue T-shirt under it, uh, blue laces in my shoes. I have every right in this country as an American to wear whatever I want to mm. wear. But I, still think the about, I think about it. Yeah. I I think about it when you know to make sure. I mean, I don't. We don't have like gang, quote unquote, gang neighborhoods here. It's more of a, like a LA thing. But mm. like, there probably are some gang neighborhoods here. And I, yeah. But I so so just to be safe. In general, I won't wear all red anywhere. Yeah. I don't even want to be perceived that I might be in a gang. Wear purple. Sure, neutral. <laughs> I'm both. You know, if that's how it works, I don't really know gang culture. But yeah, we're all purple. Purple really makes my eyes pop. You know, so you you could do that and just be like, hey man, I'm I'm toeing the line. I'm not either one. But 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 the point still stands. Like, uh, it's so much separation in this country, and everybody's kind of picking a side. Yeah, man. And it, it's, it's so it's just so tense, and that's just our perspective. So I'm not trying to alienate anybody. I'm not trying to say uh, us as two black men sitting here on this microphone saying that our plight is worse than yours. We just want to make it clear that this is how the, this is the temperature right now for us. And there are some there are some black men who disagree with us. You know why? Because black people aren't monolithic, man. There are black Republicans and black people who are libertarian and black people who are hippies and black people. It's just I don't like that we have to take the brunt of all the bad news in the world and defend it. I don't like that, and I'm not a fan of that. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't really know what else to say about that. I, um, rest in peace to those two um, people that were killed at that Kroger's. Um, that was a tragedy, and I know that awful stuff happened. A lot of awful stuff happened this month. That shooting at that synagogue was terrible, and there's a lot of awful stuff that happened. But that also happened, and those people deserve to be mourned and and, and reflected upon, and 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 
praised and, and candles lit for them. So I want to give another quick rest in peace to Maurice Stallard and Vicki Lee Jones, uh, two people who were just running errands, man. Like just going, you know, scary, going man. to run an errand real quick and they never came home. So rest in peace to them. Oh, <clears throat> so what we're going to do is we're going to turn things around a little bit and uh, get into these good vibes and kind of brighten the mood up a little bit. Yes, yes, hello and welcome to another Good Vibes segment. The moment in the episode where we try to add some levity to the world. And after that conversation we just had, I know it's desperately needed. Fran, do you have a Good Vibes for me this week? Yeah, um... My good vibe is this this week uh it's about California cl- California city is cleaning up their streets by paying the homeless to pick up the litter. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I like it too. So San Jose San Jose is launching an ingenious initiative that will simultaneous, simultaneously simultaneously <laughs> beautify <laughs> their, <laughs> that shit was rough, man. <laughs> beautify their city and provide jobs for homeless people in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. The California city is hiring 25 local homeless people to pick up litter around the city for $15 an hour. Damn. Yeah. But I bet the hours are probably like, like four. Yeah. You, yeah. And then you can, mm-hmm. I'm sure they're not just making, they're not caking off getting 50 hours a week at $15 an hour. I'm, I'm sure it's not the case. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's still great. How many, I want to know how many, they got 25 locals. So I want to know how many people they asked or how many people said no. People that don't really, I mean, that's gotta, been doing it for be, years. I mean, bold to just be like, no, nah, man, I make more money than that being homeless. So I'm, I'm a job. But I'm I mean, homeless. like people that's homeless probably just like, nah, yeah, I don't want to. Cool, <laughs> I'm cool. I'm I'm pretty settled into my life how it is now. Yeah. I like my system I got going. Yeah. I mean, hey. I got to gotta respect it. Yeah. So by hiring homeless people to clean up the streets, the city hopes to provide them with a paycheck mm-hmm. and eventually transition them into a full into full time work. Yeah. So the workers will primarily uh, involve cleaning up to 40 different areas around town that have been identified as litter hotspots and dumping grounds. Legislators hope that if the homeless employees find a sense of purpose with the work, mm-hmm. they will also be able to dissuade their homeless acquaintances yeah. from contributing any more litter to the hotspots. I mean, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a beautiful, great idea. Yeah, I like politicians that come with ideas like that. I'm not trying to make this a political thing, but uh, here in Maryland, we got a guy Ben Jealous who's mm-hmm. running for governor. He's coming with some very progressive ideas. Not anything that progressive. That's cool. Oh, but the, like, the Disseldoos. I, I like when he says that. The Disseldoos. That's that's what he says. Oh, Disseldo do that yeah, or yeah. do <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know that was his like his slogan. Yeah. But he wants to legalize weed and allocate a certain amount of that money to public schools. Hmm. So just stuff like that. Like, oh yeah. We want to legalize weed, and for people who think that that's just like, oh, everybody's going to be smoking weed. Oh, yep, man, talk it up. Yeah, dope, dope it up. Dopey McDoperson. No, we want to allocate money directly from the taxes mm-hmm. from that to a really good cause. So uh, taking homeless people, if, especially in California, they I don't know about San Jose as much. I'm sure it's just pre- probably prevalent all around California, mm-hmm. but they have a really high homeless people issue, mm-hmm. especially like in San Francisco. As a matter of fact, I heard in San Francisco they have like a – a homeless people app that lets you know where people have shit on the streets. What? Yeah, like an app, like, like oh, on 15th and, and like Broadway. Bing, like Bing it, and they like, Almost oh. like, remember, you know Waze? 
Yeah. Yeah, you know how on ways you might be driving down a highway and it'll be like, uh, there's a cop yeah. in the bushes. Uh-huh. That's shit. So for you not to step on it or need yeah, to Yeah, just so up? you know, hey man, you coming oh. down, if you're coming down 21st Street, I don't know how San Francisco work, street grids work. Uh-huh. If you're coming down Santa Fe Street, hey, it's some shit on the corner. I thought it was an app for the city, you know, uh, people that come clean it up. Like, oh, maybe shit that's, here. Maybe that's an and aspect they, of it as well. And they bang it and they, people come clean it maybe up. Maybe that's an aspect of it as well. Uh, but I would assume it's not probably not just shit. It's probably also like, there's a homeless person. He's schizophrenic. So don't go down that street. So um, I like the idea of taking those people and try to reintegrate them into society. I hope that this comes with like uh, some rules and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because you're just giving people. I'm not saying that every homeless person has drug issues, but you, there should be like maybe uh you know, drug testing, drug screening to weed out people who are taking advantage of the program to get a couple of dollars to and it's worth to, and then, yeah, and dip out and they make money and mm-hmm. continue their habits. I would think that you would want to uh, fil- like filter through and get the cream of the crop homeless people who yeah. were just like down in their luck, just needed an opportunity and are taking this opportunity to, to better their. I want to better my life. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be homeless anymore, and this is an opportunity because it could quickly just just be somebody. Oh yeah, what you clock in here, and I'm gonna clock in. I'm just gonna pretend to stab at this trash for four <laughs> hours. Can you give me my sixty dollars, please? Yeah, and I'm gonna go shoot up, and then you know whatever, you know. So I hope that it. I hope that they um, don't just put the program out there. I hope they continue to like, you know, uh, you know, uh, trial and error it, and fix it, and tweak mm-hmm. this and tweak that. And I think it could be a really beautiful program. That sounds yeah. great. Uh, the part when that was like it says where they got their homeless to dissuade their acquaintances is like. Hey man, are you switching up on us? Yeah, yeah. Bum, uh, bum, <laughs> bum life is a very specific lifestyle. You, it's almost like uh, being a gypsy. Uh, so you can't just come and be like, "Hey man, you know I got a." They gave me a broom and a little picky thing, and I I clean trash. And they're like, "Yeah man, I don't care. I got my little squeegee and my loofah. I clean cars uh, uh, twice a day. I make like forty dollars, and I go get my beer, and I come back to our dumpster fire. Mm. You want to ruin this awesome life with a job?" <laughs> You know, so I don't know if that's, I don't know how many, again, but the thing is, though, it's about the filtering out. Like, you won't be able to dissuade all the homeless people oh, no. to, from being homeless, but right. if you catch one or two and it webs, so you catch, you, you start off with your 25, and then those 25, and they each go out and ask 10 people to, to come do this program, but only one of them comes. Mm. You're still tackling the homeless issues slowly, but yeah. surely, you yeah. know? So I hope it works out. I yeah. think that that's, I think that's a really... That is a really progressive idea that I hope works out. Yeah. All right, me finish. All right, so homeless homeless applicants will be hired and managed by downtown street by by downtown streets team mm-hmm. and organized that works to end homelessness mm-hmm. and goodwill. <clears throat> According to Mercury News, the program is currently being financed through a two hundred thousand dollar litter uh, reduction grant from the city, mm-hmm. and if the initiative proves to be successful, the city if the initiative proves to be successful then city workers are eager to see it continue into the future. Sure. Though there is no way to predict how successful the program will be in San Jose, the city of Denver made national headlines back in January for publishing the results of a similar work model in which they hire homeless people to perform jobs for the city. After one year of paying the workers, over 100 of them were able to land regular jobs. Colorado, and you know what? And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's a direct cor- correlation, but I'm not surprised that it is. City money is tax money. Mm. And you know what Colorado has a lot of? Tax money. And you know why they have a lot of tax money? Because they legalize weed. Mm. So they got money to play with and try things, you know? That's the you know, that's the biggest enemy to progression is 
the uh, lack of desire to try something new. I think it's so minor compared to all the other drugs. And it it is. It's not enough. It's not money. Yeah, it's just politics. I'm talking like I do drugs. Yeah, it's just politicians. (laughs) Politicians are keeping this fight going. And Mm. and I don't know all the details why, Mm. but I know that it would affect other lanes and other revenue. It's the same thing as why why we don't use why having electric cars become just the thing. That happens for everything though. Yeah, it's it's but it's a battle. So eventually legalizing uh, marijuana across like federally legalizing weed where it's legal everywhere, people are going to make a lot of money in the weed field. But somebody who's been making money for 100 years before that is going to their whole business is going to topple. And that's how it goes. Mm. Eventually fossil fuels will become a thing of the past, and then electric cars will take over. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, there's that battle going where, yeah. you know, oh, no, well, no, everybody can't have electric cars. Look at all these problems, and the, the batteries don't, you know, they have all this smear yeah. stuff that come out to make you scared to go buy an electric car, mm-hmm. right? And I'm sure they haven't mastered the electric car yet, but a lot, of, this, a lot of the reasons to why electric cars why you don't have an electric car and why I don't have an electric car aren't because we don't want electric cars. It's because the government is making it. You don't think it's an ele- you don't think they can make an electric charger? You know what I'm saying? Like mm. not not a, not charger like you plug it like the car. Mm. You don't think they can make a charger that looks like the charger does uh, zero to sixty in uh, six seconds and is electric? They can, but that would hurt Dodge. Yeah. That would hurt the oil companies. That would hurt whatever. So it's always going to be these transitions when you make progress. Or if you're just not educated, it's not. That's not. I mean, I don't have an electric car because I just I haven't read up on one. Yeah, about it. and there none it. of the affordable electric cars are dope. Right. You know, what I, I mean? don't like want the Tesla's dope. Yeah, but it also they it's cost like sixty grand yeah. for the base. Yeah, if you want the fly one, you're talking about like one twenty. So, I but don't eventually, have that. you know, eventually it'll become. <laughs> but what happens is, right now, Teslas are exclusive. Yeah. What happens is, when they flood the market, the price starts to come down to the median a little bit, mm. and maybe you can get a nice Tesla. For forty five grand, you know, but right now, no fossil fuel reigns supreme, and they're gonna continue to try to stop you from getting a, you know, uh, an electric car, a mm. water car. They got cars that they got hydrogen power engines, man. That's a real thing, and I'm not mm. even gonna go into the conspiracies about that because there are conspiracies about that as well. What that they can go underwater? No, that there oh. was a guy who was this close. He had like a deal with a, 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 a production company, he got like a line. Yeah. We not go, no. Yeah, we not move going. on. We're uh-uh. gonna move on, man. I should, I'm, I'm mad I even guessed. Yeah, I don't know why you wanted to push me. You pushed me, man. I didn't want to go. Let me tell my good vibes story, man. I didn't want to go there. Man. I didn't want to go there, man. You're killing me with the, cons- the conspiracy theories. We got to stop that, man. Yeah, man. We're gonna move on. Anyway, my good vibes story this week is a story about a dad who confronted his bully son and then ended up spending the day bonding with him. This is a story that was floating around the internet a bit over the last couple of weeks, but it came to my attention again, so I wanted to really dive into it because it is good vibes. His his son was the bully? His son was being bullied. Bullied, oh, okay. His son was being bullied, and instead of, you know, all the videos you see, you put your hands on my son again, I'm going to call your dad. I'm going to fuck your dad up. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing that, he said, this kid's obviously going through some stuff. Let me go find out more. So, <clears throat> A father in Houston found out his son was being bullied at school and decided to do something about it by befriending his bully's son. I mean, by befriending his son's bully. Oh, okay. Yeah. Aubrey Fontenot said his son Jordan, who is eight years old, had been complaining about a bully at school. He said, I talked to the school several times about them. Uh, uh, talked to them about the kid. But you know, that never gets far. I, which, no, I'm sorry, Aubrey. I don't know, because I don't have any kids. 
And Fran, your kid is kind of young, so I don't think you know the the woes of you know problems at school, and then the school Bullying. doesn't do anything about it. No, not yet. Not yet. Yeah, yeah. Because we will have problems. Yeah. See, I don't think you would handle this like Aubrey did. No. So, but I'm gonna continue because this is good vibes. What you would do, I don't think would be. So you don't get to be part of good vibes, mm. even though you should always. When they go low, you go high. Mm. But we're gonna keep on going. Uh, he said, but it kept happening, and the things and things came to a head when the bully stole Jordan's phone. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Fontenot, who was Aubrey, went to the school and spoke to the principal and a cop. And though they didn't come right out and say it, Fontenot got the feeling that this kid needed help. Fontenot discovered that this son, that his son's bully was actually being bullied by other children at school because he didn't have clean clothes or shoes. And when Fontenot spoke with the boy's mother, who gave him permission to reach out to her son, she told him that the family was homeless and struggling to find stability. Hmm. And also, while I'm on the um, on the subject of what I just said, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Principal Akbar Cook from New Jersey, who was a good vibe story that I did a few weeks ago, who was a principal who put a bunch of washer and dryers in his school hmm. and... Uh, started to go fummy and got all kind of detergent, got mm -hmm. everything the kids needed because this is a real issue. Mm -hmm. You know, like in these underprivileged public schools, societal issues, p issues that don't that aren't don't have anything to do with your education can stop a kid from getting an education. So like I, my clothes stink. I don't want to go to school. They yeah. say shit to me. I'm not going there. Yeah. So these it's just it's really hard to be a teacher in these underserved schools, man. And they deal with issues besides like behavioral issues or kids being on a also being a two grades behind, three grades behind. You also have to deal with like, oh, uh, you know, uh, um, Saquon won't come to school because Marcus is the blood and he's a crip and they have three classes together. And whenever they're in, like what? And more importantly, you got to have patience. Yeah. Which I, I don't have. It was just a video the other earlier this week. Some teacher just started. He just stole off on a kid. Had yeah. enough. The kid was like, nah, man. He was in his face like, uh. Like, he was trying to set trip. Like, nah, man, I heard you was talking shit about the video. I'm like, what? Yeah. He's talking to a grown-ass man and was like, nah, I heard you was talking shit about me. Say it to me now. And the kid's like 14. Nah, I was man. like, I was like, what is happening right now? And the teacher's like, hey, man, look, get out of, please leave. Nah, use a bitch. If you said it then, say it now. You think I'm a hoe? I ain't I'm like, yo, what? Nah, it's just, he I don't, said all I that and it. the teacher just, Stole you, you see that switch? Like, whereas like the lat. I've that had enough. That last, like, look, man, get out of my face. <laughs> he had one last one where it was like, look, man. I said, get out of my face. And he just cocked back and hit. And they started fighting. He hey, fought him. I don't. But that I, guy lost his job. I Hey. That, what's that lady name? What's my favorite gift? The lady from uh, How to Get Away with Murder? How to Get Away with Murder? Yeah. Oh, when she just get up and walk Yeah, away? that's me. Yeah. I don't need I'm out of here. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You're not going to cost me my whole career. <laughs> Because no. you want to show off in front of your friends. I so, and, and so aside from just kids like that, who there are kids, and I, I hate to say this because I would, I hate to give up on kids, mm -hmm. but there are some kids who have been through so much at their life, in their life that by fourteen they're already gone. They're just, there's just, they're gone already. Mm -hmm. you, they're lost. Their their soul is lost to the streets. Them being in school is something they don't it's even want to do. You're making just, them do that. Exactly. They don't want to. Exactly. They want to go out and be out on the streets. Yep. And so you're put, basically putting them in a cage. And there's no, there's no, oh, I'm going to uh, take the Drake song and change the lyrics about math. They don't care. They don't want to be here. <laughs> in those situations, it's not you. It's not 
it's not sometimes it is a shitty shitty teachers and mm-hmm. a lot of these schools have shitty teachers but sometimes you could be the best teacher but they don't care like oh yeah i took the bruno mars song and it's about chemistry now like i don't care man and i'm gonna flip out if you ask me another question these, these kids sometimes they're just gone but this kid in particular that was bullying this guy's son mm. He was home. He was homeless and dirty, and 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 kids were bullying him. So he took instead of in, he instead of internalizing his issues and dealing with them, he externalized them, and he bullied somebody else to make him feel better. Yeah. Oh, I'm dirty. Well, he's a bitch. And oh, my shoes are ugly. Well, look, I stole his shoes because he's a bitch, right? Everybody, look at him. Don't look at me. Look at him. Trying to get attention this, off of him. Yeah, that's yeah. so. That's what this kid did, man. Mm-hmm. And instead of this dad going up in that school and raising hell. And, and I'm not going to say I wouldn't be his kind of dad, but instead of him doing that and, and flipping out on these kids and, and cussing them out and saying, where's your mom at so I can cuss her out? And where's your dad at so I can punch him in his mouth? He said, you know what? Let me go talk to the mom. Let me find out what's going yeah. on. And he found out that they're homeless. Like, that's a real humbling thing. Yeah. I, mean, I know that he, this kid bullied your uh-huh. son, but when you go get to the root of it, because we're talking about two eight-year-olds. Yeah. I mean, tell you do that, trying to be a good person, then the kid go, you know, well, you's a bitch. And it's like, see? Well, you know, you got to have faith in kids, man. I, I like to believe that. Yeah, man. But you also, you got to look at every, you know, all all the situations that can happen, man. Yeah, for sure. That is definitely a possibility that the kid is like, you're not, every kid. You ain't my the, dad. And it's like, see? Every kid in this, as a, <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a kid who said that to multiple men. <laughs> To multiple men, like you're, and and my dad wasn't there. It's, it's not like it's not like I'm saying you're not my dad. Wait till my dad gets here. My dad is not coming, but you're not my dad. You are not my father. <laughs> I'm not listening to him. I'm not listening to my real dad if he came yeah. around here. You want me to listen to you? <laughs> so that's a, that's a, that's an internal issue that a lot of kids are out here dealing with. But that doesn't have anything to do with you. Right. I like to think that if you push through that, every kid wants to have a male uh, role model figure to lead. Every kid mm-hmm. wants that, but a lot of them don't know they want it so they resent it immediately sometimes you just got to push through it you know so i don't think the best reaction to a kid being like you're not my dad is like you're right i'm not your dad fuck you like you you know you have to be the adult Mm -hmm. and try to power through that now everybody has their limits i'm not gonna just let you just call me a bitch over and over again and i'm just gonna keep coming back (laughs) i will try to fight through it and be oh man look man Uh that's how you feel i'm not trying to be your dad i just want to be your friend well i don't need friends i got friends Bitch ass. Well, then you know what, man? You have a nice day. You have a nice day, <laughs> and you go ahead and figure out your life issues because I don't need this toxicity yeah. in my life. Yeah. Blessings upon you, and I'm going to leave. Yeah, and you touch my son again, he's going to yeah, that's that. when it goes from like, <laughs> that's when it went. Now, if he got met with that, and it's like, and you still come back with him, that energy is like, okay, cool. Well, I try to do something nice for you, and you don't want it, and that's fine. If you put your hands on my son again, I'm going to fuck you up then. We can handle it that way. But that, hey, God bless you. Yeah, and leave. <laughs> keep, keep it all positive. Just let him know the reality of the situation. If you put your hands on my son again, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. I am a grown man, and you're eight. It will be very easy. Have a nice day, and 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 and, and blessings upon you and yours. You know. But thankfully, hey, guess what, friend? It's uh, good vibes, so it didn't go that okay. way. Okay, that's what I like. Go, to it hear. didn't go that's that what way. I like to hear. You know, uh, uh, Mr. Aubrey Fontenay picked this kid up. He spent the day with his son's bully. He said, I decided to spend some time with my son's uh, school bully yesterday. Was his son there, I hope? Was it both of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They oh, all okay. hung out. So they, they squashed oh, it. Right, like, you know, right. So uh, uh, he said, just to dig a little deeper on why. Come to find out, he was being bullied for not having clean clothes and clean shoes. Once again, I asked why. Just to find out that his family had fell on hard times. It started to make perfect sense. We have no clue what these children are going through these days because a lot of us just don't care. And this is not an uncommon story for a lot of people. So I spent a lot of my day 
yesterday by shopping and teaching this young man about self-respect, integrity, morals, confidence, and other things that consist of going from a troubled youth to a great man. We all come from different backgrounds, but we all share the same goal of success. And he wrote this on an Instagram post with a video of him hanging out. Both the kids are in the back seat, mm. chopping it up, hanging out. I wouldn't be surprised if they had a sleepover at the end of the, you know, when after this was over, play Madden all night. Mm. And now they might be best buddies. Or now they might not. Maybe that was just one day and they never did anything ever again. But I like to believe that they he solved that issue. Like I won't, but I won't mess with your kid mm. anymore. Or I, maybe he put over on the front. You never know. Sorry. <laughs> no, man, I'm not gonna let you glass half empty. This man, they solved it, man. The beef is squashed, and now they eat lunch together at the cafeteria table. That's not in the story, but that's, that's good, what though. I believe. That, that's happened. awesome. Yeah. It's just for me, I can wait. I don't want to deal with stuff like that. I know I may have to, but it's like I don't. I just don't want to. As a father. Oh, you have to do way much stuff. Y'all, a teenage girl? Oh, man. In it's, today's... I like to hope that Sophia, was she three? But yeah, about to be three. I like yeah. to think that by the time she's like middle school age, the, the social media trend will have died down and it'll just be more of a tool. Yeah. As of right now, it's like an addiction. I like to think it'll just die down and be more of like a tool. So. Like, oh, we don't use it that way anymore. It's kind of people came to their senses. Because right now... Man, yeah. These on Twitter, they don't care how old you are. Nope. You will get these bars. People will call you ugly. People mm-hmm. will call you fat. People will, and it's, it doesn't end. So it's at school, and then you got to come home and deal with it. And what's crazy <laughs> is for me, what I'm seeing is a lot. It's so much social awkwardness in real life. Oh yeah, that you might not even get bullied at school. No, the weird stuff might just happen at school, and somebody take a oh you slipped and fell at lunch and got ketchup on your pants. Mm-hmm. Nobody will say anything. There might not be one, you know, when I, when we were in school, I think we were the last generation of like somebody might, ah, look at it, look, yeah. he fell. Yeah. I think that might be dying down a bit and it'd be more of a like a, oh, shit, he fell, ka-chink, mm-hmm. and then go home and Photoshop it and mm-hmm. share it. Now you, oh, go viral yeah. as a meme. I, we talk about this a lot on here, but like, if you get memed, I know some people that might flip it. Some people might flip it and turn it into, oh, I'm Twitter famous now and mm-hmm. I made it into money. But, man... If you don't, and you just, you try to fight it, people got energy for days, man. Yeah. You try to be like, fuck you, man. You're ugly, too. Ah, uh, look, he's mad now. Look, he's mad, y'all. Look, oh, look, he's mad. Look, oh, look, look, I put blood on his face. I put ketchup on his face in his uh, profile photo. <laughs> look, it's funny. Yeah. And everybody shares that now. Yeah. It's just, oh, my God, man. It's crazy. God, man. You know, my, my you know some men also, this is tangent episode. Uh, part hey, two. Yeah, look. This is this is this is tangent the sequel. Uh-huh. And then I was in Petco today, right? I had this old white guy, he had uh-huh. his army army hat on, like Vietnam hat uh-huh. on his he was like, Touch your daughter? I was like, I was like, Yeah, she's about to be three. He asked me how old she was. Uh-huh. I said three. He's like, Yeah, she's gonna be small like you. I was like, I was like, Yeah, I know. He was like, You better ready have your guns. He's like, You better Whoa. have your guns ready when she get older, when she get about teenage, you know them boys come around. I was like, I've heard that like at least ten times already. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's a, you got a cute kid, man. I've heard that a lot, way more than I want to hear. Yeah, you got a cute kid. I don't like. I think that that's weird. I think that's a weird. I think that's a weird compliment for an adult. They're like, your kid's gonna be cute when they're like a a grown up person. (laughs) That's how I take that. And 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 you know, that's a compliment. That's cute and everything like that. But not when it's a stranger. Yeah. Like if I say Sophie is adorable, she's cute, man. Yeah, you better watch yourself. Some some guy being like, you better get ready to have your guns, man. Get ready, guns ready. She's gonna be. She's gonna be trouble. (laughs) Any like if you come up to me and you're uh, a stranger and you say that. 
The energy's a little weird. <laughs> it's just a weird energy, man. Don't that, say guy, that guy was talking to everybody in Petco, though. But, oh, okay, you know, cool. It was just, yeah, you know. Yeah. At first, when you said he came to me in Petco, I thought you were talking about your dog. And I was like, no. do your dog's going to be small like you? <laughs> yeah, this is definitely, <laughs> this, this is super the tangent. Hey, this is the tangent. Some people seat. like it. Hey, if they if they don't, then it is what it is. <laughs> when we were doing the beginning part, I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to edit some of this. We can't, went kind of long. That's but fine. you know something, man? Hey, this is the tangent part due. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, that was my good vibe story. Uh, I thought that was just yeah, um, that's awesome, man. I thought that was a beautiful way to handle that, man. Like you know, sometimes you know, um, t- to meet to meet aggression with aggression, it's just it's it's just nothing but conflict. But if you can try to de-escalate the situation, I think that's always the best route to solve a crisis. Like instead of oh, you coming at me aggressively, I'm coming at you aggressively. I always try to go. Hey, man, like you know, let's calm down and like, what is the issue? And then if it escalates from there. Then you just got. Then you're just handling what you got to handle to protect yourself. But you should always. I'm always the person. As a matter of fact, famously, one of my dumbest uh, situations Uh-oh. that uh, we we've been in. Is we went to the mall one time, and I don't. I think the guy said I cut him off or something. I don't even remember how oh. it went. Oh, can I tell a story? If we got time, I mean, it's we already don't win. It's tangent, man. So you talking about when we was in Columbia? Yeah, uh-huh, we were at Columbia and, Mall. Okay, what happened was the guy bumped into me. Uh huh. But he came from one side of the. You know how you. Yeah, it's lame. Yeah, it's, they're not. They're not marked, but it's like. When you're walking this way, you stay on the right. Yeah. And when you're walking this way, you stay on the left. <laughs> yeah. That's like that's like societal etiquette. Like he came, hey, look how look look how great Alvin was his friend. He that dude came across, everybody bumped into me and was like, Hey man, watch where you going or something like that. Uh-huh. And he was like, You bumped into him. It was something like that. And yeah, that's how I was, it went. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was like, You bumped into him, man. He was like, and then like for a second, it was like I also feel like it was like four of us and like five of them. Yeah. But it was kinda it was like it could have been like a brawl could have just went yeah. off. And it was kind of the silence for a second where it was like, you bumped into him. And it was like, silence. And he was like, all right, man. And then he put his hand out. Yeah. And I dapped his hand. Yep. I dapped it. I locked it. He, for all I know, he could have been left-handed. He could have punched the shit he locked in my. he locked in my hand, and he could have just hit me in my mouth. And I would have been. I would have just woke up like, what happened? Yeah. Y'all, I'm in the car. Y'all but the thing about that was, he did that because the security guy came. I don't know if yeah. you remember that. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm well, you guys definitely explained to me the situation yeah. after we walked away. Like, yeah, man, no, nah, he he could have knocked you the fuck out, but the security came, so he just let it go. And I was like, hey, man, all right. Well, I oh, tried to, man. I just tried to defuse it. I was like, why did you shake his hand? I just thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> he could have knocked the shit out of you, man. <laughs> I thought we were just two black men in society saying, you know, man, violence no, isn't necessary, man. man. We can solve this like men. He could have punched the shot of you, man. He definitely could have. <laughs> but you know something? He didn't. And that's the po- that's the positivity that I like to see in the world. <laughs> Luckily, because the security guard was there. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but it didn't happen, man. And you know what? Uh, you know, just to keep these good vibes, man, and, 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 and take ourselves to this commercial break, uh, based on this, uh, um, this positivity, also the new Queen movie is out. And I want to give a shout out to Queen. This is a bold move on my behalf. But you know what? Fuck it, man. I'm feeling spicy today. It's the tangent episode. Based on the conversation we just had, let's leave on that Queen. We will rock you. Because you know something? I didn't get rocked. But if I would have, I would have ate it. And it just, we just would have been squabbling in the middle of the Columbia Mall. Are we going to get Cause sued? Because these hands work. Um, I don't know. But you know I don't have any money. We'll see, man. <laughs> it's already planned. We're fading out, and you know we'll, we'll know next week. All right. When we come back, you know, prepare to talk about some more fucked up shit, and also prepare for us to probably get off course a little bit more. It's just one of those episodes. The tangent part two. We'll be right back. We will, we will rock you. 
All right, and we are back. Fran, it is your week to go first. If you would please indulge me with an affirmative murder. Okay. Uh, my affirmative murder this week is Aku Yadav. Whoa, so this sorry? Aku Yadav. Okay. So this is this Indian guy. Mm. So before August 13th, 2004, Aku Yadav thought he was untouchable. A documented rapist oh. and assaulter of young girls, mm. he was known for bribing police officers to leave crimes alone. Residents even said that he got away with murdering at least five. Uh, I'm sorry, he got away with murdering at least three people. Mm. As untouchable as he felt he was, so too were his victims. Oh, he targeted members of the quote-unquote untouchable c- caste, the lowest members of India society, who he knew would be laughed out of the police station and lawyer's office. So these are you know, of course, yeah. I mean, it was like, oh, I'm being raped. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you come to me when you have a house? <laughs> Bum. Laugh at him, scoffing. That's fucked up, man. It's very fucked up, man. Yeah. But it, it's crazy. Your story also, just off the grip, sounds so similar to mine. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy how class warfare is worldwide. Like, poor people get the short end of the stick, and if you have any kind of affluence or money, you can get away with shit, man. Yeah. So, yeah, he paid the police police stations and law offices mm-hmm. and indeed when they complained about him they were yeah so the woman and the women in the lynch mob were all victims of Yadav from Kastabar Nagar a slum area in New, Del- New Delhi mm-hmm. they claimed that he had been raping women so many that a rape victim lives in every other house in the slum wow the woman said that he would violate the women as a means of controlling the as a means of controlling the men and that he had henchmen who would assist him with his dirty work. At one wow. point, yeah, at one point he allegedly d- directed them to gang rape a 12-year-old girl. Oh. I mean, so there's just nothing. This guy had there's, a team. Yeah, and there's just nothing gangster about that. Like, I, when you hear about some of the stuff these cartels do, mm-hmm. and it's just like, I know that I don't come from that world, but there's just... Some stuff where you you just go, that's not, there's nothing gangster about that. To be like, hey, man, pay me my money or I'm going to have my guys come rape your child. Mm. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing tough about that. It's just disgusting, man. That's, that's disgusting. I mean, he didn't even, this is his gang that did it. But that's him being like. Yeah. That's the power I yeah, have. Yeah, exactly. I send, yep. I send them. Yeah, Sitting in like exactly. a chair, like he's a like a don. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so dozens of women have reported your dive to the police, but he had been laughed, but had been laughed out of their offices. Yeah, your had been bribing them for years, and every time a woman would complain, the police was would they would they would tell him, hey, yeah. As soon as you say his name, it's a little hot. Yeah, as soon as you say his name, that's the end of your report. Yeah, yeah. We don't write reports on him. So the police will alert your dive. Who would then visit the women and intimidate them? You tried to so you did what? You tried to snitch on me. Okay. He threatened to throw acid on them oh or rape God. them again or hurt members of their families. Finally, they had had enough. Oh. Yusha Narayani, oh, uh-huh. one of the victims who had repeatedly been harassed by Yadav, enlisted her brother, her yeah. brother in law, to help her. Yeah. Together, they bypassed police and went to deputy commissioner. Oh, okay. he promised her a safe haven and that the police would set 
was set out to find Yadav. So high ranks, they just went through. You know, yeah. We're, we're gonna get. We're gonna go past all this corruption. Yep. And go to the next level, which is you know, it's not where I thought this was going, but that's a, that's a good move. Yeah. That night, Yadav's house was knocked was knocked down, smashed into rubble by angry neighbors and local residents. That's what I like. That's where I thought it was going. Yep. Their intimidation their intimidation tactics had worked in part as Yadav had decided to surrender. As he was bribing the police force, it is unlikely his surrender would have had any results. The police even said that placing him in custody was more of his own safety than the safety of his victims. <laughs> they were about to beat they were about to rock him to death. Yeah. The, uh, the day after his arrest, he was set to appear in court. Ursha, uh, I guess it's Ursha. Ursha? Uh, yeah. Okay. Er- no? <laughs> I see where you used to go with that. Ursha <laughs> and the other women who had been following the case heard that he would likely, to, he was likely to get bail. And in that instant took matters into their own hands. Like, they're they not letting this. We're not. Mm. No, you know. Justice, no. we gotta, justice must be served. Yeah. Armed with vegetable knives, stones, and chili powder. Mm. Almost oh, two. Throw in his eyes? <laughs> yeah. Almost <laughs> 200 of Yadav's victims swarmed the courthouse. Mm. As he walked past them, headed for his trial, he taunted one of them, calling her a prostitute and threatened to rape her again. Damn. The police escorting him laughed. At what he said? Yep. Damn. <laughs> Nothing makes you feel worse about your society that you live in that than the rapist being escorted by the police and they laugh at one of his jokes. Yeah. That that makes that can't make you feel any less like they're not on your side. Like, oh, good one, boss. That was funny. Yeah. You're going to rape her again. What? Hey, man, you getting that check? Yeah, I guess. I laugh at every joke you got. <laughs> you know damn well the Postmaster General come up in there. I ain't say me. I'm talking oh, about well, people. Said, oh, okay, all right. I'm just nah. saying. Okay. You said the Postmaster. <laughs> he was there. He's going to laugh at all his jokes when he come in there? I'm not even gonna get into that. I'm, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that a real thing, Postmaster General? Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, have you met him? She's been a yeah, it's a woman. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's 2018. Let me check my yeah. privilege. Okay, I'm sorry, Postmaster General. Yeah, don't, don't mess with her. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't even, yeah, we can yeah. move on. I didn't yeah, know I was, I, that's why I left it alone. Your job. That's why I left it alone. We yep. can move on. Say, say less. <laughs> say less, man. Uh, she said, "Quote: We can't both live on this earth together." Oh. The woman had taunted, cried. It's you or me. Then she began. Now, this is after, you know, he made that little joke. Uh-huh. Then she began hitting him, hitting him with her sandal. Within seconds, the other woman had joined her, throwing their chili powder in his face, mm. throwing the stones at his head, stabbing at any part oh. of him they could reach. With Rip their, him apart. With their vegetable knives. His guards fled. Yeah, it's a wrap now. Terrified of the women, but they didn't notice. For over 10 minutes, they attacked Yadav, stabbing him no less than 70 times. Mm. And Indian chili pepper, chili powder, is no fucking joke. Yeah. That's like mace. Yeah. So he's blind and just pain. One enraged woman even cut off his penis. Oh, what? <laughs> just in the middle of the street, too. They That's were, a lot they, of work. They were taking him somewhere, right? They just like, hey, fuck this. Hey. She got a hold of that thing? Chop. Slice, yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was not calculated. Uh, Ursha said it was not a case that we all sat down and calmly planned yeah. what would happen. He he sparked it. It was it that w- last. It was an emotional outburst. She said the women decided that if necessary, they'd go to prison. Mm. But 
that this man would never come back and terrorize them again. That's what I'm talking about. 15 minutes later, Yukuya Dav was dead. Mm. His body almost unrecognizable as a gory mess. His blood stained the white marble floor of the courthouse. They also have a picture of, you know, the blood stained. Oh, I'm sure it was a lot of blood. Now, for me, this is probably going to sound crazy to some people for what I've said. I am a big fan of street justice. Mm Mm-hmm. I know that I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the of 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 the death penalty because I feel like if you go through the court system, then going through the court system is the 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 civil way of doing things, mm-hmm. and I think that my views on the death penalty I've made clear. But if you know that this guy raped a hundred kids, and all one hundred of those parents are in the same room, mm-hmm. and he goes, "That's why I fucked all your kids and killed them," and the shit sparks off, hey, that's just how it's gotta go. Yep. I'm not going to be the cop that's like, I'm not going to shoot some parent who is getting revenge for no. the, their, the death of their child. I'm, I'm not going to do that. That's street justice, man. Street justice is just eye for an eye. It's got to go like that sometimes. Yep. If it, Especially when it's, I'm not saying you should, like those movies where people's kids get killed and then they're like, I'm going to go kill the whole gang and I don't care if I die. I'm into those movies, but this makes way more sense because this was just like, we were just here to see justice get served. And he said some crazy flagrant shit and our emotions took hold. Mm. But I don't like, you know, I'm not I, I'm, I'm not a fan of like planning to massacre people. That's crazy. But like, yeah, sometimes like those videos of the 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 dad, you know, the, the, the guys in shackles or whatever. He looks back at the crowd and winks and the dad jumps over the the whole court thing and punches the guy. In the th- I yeah. love those videos. Yeah, and I don't love them because it's awful. But like that's raw. Um, that's real. That's real emotion. So, yeah, sometimes you get your dick sliced off because you're a fucking predator, man. Yeah. <clears throat> so, when the police tried to arrest five of the women, the rest protested. Soon, every woman in the slum had taken responsibility for the murder. Ooh. Several of the women were arrested and tried, including Ursha, though by 2012 they had all been released due to lack of evidence. Though the murder of Yaku Yadav didn't necessarily leave the women in peace, Ursha says that it says that it at least opened the eyes of society to the crimes of Yadav and the power of women. After the murder society after after the murder, society's eyes opened, the police failing to come to light that has irritated them, she said. So that shit about, you know, them police ain't doing shit. Yeah. No, it that and these women standing up for uh, you know, to kill this guy or getting their revenge is it sparked something. It it, yeah. it let everybody know in society like, this a is change. going on. Yeah. yeah. A change needs to happen. So she said, quote, we've done a good thing for society. Um, We will see whether society repays us. Yeah. And that was the last thing she said. But that was the story of Aku Yadav. What I, I like this story because I like how these women was like, you know, no. We're not getting, we're going to handle this ourselves. Yeah. 200 women though? I mean... He the when you said he had raped enough women that every other woman in the village was a rape victim, like next door, like yeah. every other every house. other house. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Man. So yeah, man, you just can't do that kind of dirt and not expect it to come back upon you. You know. Mm-hmm. So street justice happened. I'm not opposed to it. They know he did it. They know who it was. Yep. There's no confusion. The criminal justice system didn't get the wrong guy, and he had the nerve to like. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, prostitute, maybe I'll rape you again when I get out. You die now. Yeah. You know? Like, they, it was like, no. 
We did. We gonna yeah. do this on site. I'm not gonna live in fear for the rest of my life yeah. that you're gonna get out. I'm not. This is over with. I'm gonna make sure that you're done. You're not gonna be a ghost that haunts me for the rest. You're done. You're not gonna be alive anymore. And that's Police guy there, like, oh, I'm out of here. Yeah, that's how I I'm not gonna die for this guy because <laughs> he's clearly dying. He won't be able to give me my next check. So that chili powder, man. Yeah, he that was like, my oh no, with for that. Yep. Nah, I'm done, mm-hmm. man. You and, and and that's the thing about when you buy friends, man. When the money dries up, yeah, they're not really here. there for you, you know. So those those people were like, "Oh, this guy's being murdered, so he can't pay us anymore." There's chili powder flying. <laughs> His dick's right there. Wow, never seen a dick just on the ground. I don't want anything to do with this. Goodbye. Mm. So yeah, Yakuy what? Yakuyev? Akuyadav. Akuyadav. No shout out to you. Nope. You uh, shout out to the women though. Shout out to the women, man. That was a that was a women's movement. That uh, not to not to not to shit on any other women's movement, but I don't know if our women here in America are about that, like you know, uh, cutting people's dicks off. I hope not. I'm sure it was a lot of work to go through that. Yeah, I mean, they were like, they were fed up. I mean, I, I he might have already dead by then. Probably. Yeah. But they didn't care. No. They were like, I, I want, I want a piece of this, you know. But you know, this is America, so I like to think we aren't just gonna. Shouldn't be afraid. I, mean, I want right. I want women to get everything they deserve, but like, you know, when the Harvey Weinstein case comes to trial, mm-hmm. just go boo that man and, and, and try to get justice served, man. Like, don't don't go cutting people's dicks off and throwing powder and shit like that, because this is supposed to be you know a civil society, but at the same time, that's hella tight a little bit. But too. you raping people, it need to be cut off. That's true, man. Yeah. But I like to think that we should, in America, we cut people's dicks off with, with justice. So, like, just metaphorically cut their dick off, not actually cut their dick off. Mm, I think but you want to actually, you would actually cut it off. Yeah. Okay. You want to rape people? That's what you want to do with it? All right. You don't get it Chop. anymore. You put it in a jar. You can yeah. look at it and think about all the horrible shit you did with it. Yeah. Glue it to his nose. <laughs> <laughs> When we come back, it's my turn to tell you some fucked up shit, so stay tuned. All right, and we are back. Fran, are you ready for my affirmative murder this week? Yep. We're going to keep it in that Middle Eastern area. Okay. There's a lot of similarities between your story and my story, and this week, my story is the affirmative murder of Mr. Javid Iqbal. Hmm. Uh, so, in less than a year... Javed Iqbal, a middle-aged Pakistani man, allegedly raped and killed 100 boys and teenagers. Mm. Taking advantage of apathetic attitudes towards poor children to commit his disturbing crimes, many of Iqbal's victims weren't reported missing to police until months after they had disappeared. Making it possible for him to take 100 lives before law enforcement even learned the young boys had vanished. It's too many. Yeah, it's way too many. It's too many. But... You know how we have this conversation all the time about how people are able to do all these crazy things mm-hmm. in, uh, in, in here in America with these low-income neighborhoods and people, drug addicts, wandering the streets. It's way worse in Pakistan and, and, and I'm sorry, in Pakistan. Uh, but in Pakistan and India, the streets are flooded with homeless kids because they're better. A lot of times these kids feel like they're better off on the street it's like well, I'm dirt poor at home mm. you know I don't and I don't like it here sometimes we'll be dirt poor in the street my parents were killed my parents kicked me out or whatever the streets are flooded with like abandoned children uh one of my 
uh, favorite movies that came out when I was in high school, I saw like three times was Slumdog Millionaire, which was about this kid who was, that's what they called them, slumdogs, like mm. kids that wandered the streets begging for money and all this kind of stuff. They're like, they're like window washers here on steroids. Like these kids are doing whatever, you know, like uh, pickpocketing, running the st- got their hands out looking for money because they're just trying to get bread for that day or whatever. Mm. So um, Slumdog Millionaire um, this this kid who was a quote unquote slum dog, which was like being a little kid running the streets, no parents, ends up on like Indian Jeopardy, and he's able to know all the um, questions to all the answers. Based he every time he asks, he gets asked a question on the Jeopardy game show, he flashes back to when he was a kid, and so you learn a little bit more about his life. Mm. And they had like the parts of him being a kid were so dark, and oh man, streets full of kids and these kid gangs trying to stick together to protect each other. So this guy took advantage of that. He took advantage of these kids who were no, nobody was really looking for them at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was able to just kind of flourish in that really, you know, almost like uh, the grim sleeper, which bring up a lot. It's like you like to, if you like to rape women, apparently uh, Watts in the eighties was lit. You know what I mean? Like it's just, bunch of women on drugs lost people giving up on them the streets is littered with victims mm-hmm. so when the pakistani serial killers crimes came to light parents of missing children desperately tried to learn if their sons had died at the hands of iqbal forcing mothers and fathers to sort through evidence taken from the murderer's home after he turned himself in and was convicted of the killings Iqbal was given a severe sentence designed to subject him to the same merciless acts he'd visited on 100 children. Rape? I'll get there. Whoa. Yeah. Even after he died in prison, Iqbal is remembered as one of the worst serial killers who murdered boys, making him a dark figure in Pakistan's history. And now I'm going to get to the details of how all this happened. So he was famous, but in a bad way. Infamous is the word. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, over the course of just eight months, businessman Javed Iqbal reportedly murdered 100 boys, ranging in age from 6 to 16, mm. while he was living in the city of Lahore, Pakistan. From May to December of 1999, Iqbal, who was 43 years old at the time, drugged, sodomized, and sexually assaulted the boys, many of whom were poor children who lived on the streets of Pakistan, before strangling them to death with a chain. After killing the boys, Iqbal dismembered their bodies and placed their remains in a large vats of hydrochloric acid to dissolve his victims' flesh and bones. I mean, isn't raping is enough? I do all that to not get caught. Damn, to not get caught, you gotta go the extra mile. Bury me, just bury me. Don't, don't. Then they find have me dissolved. I don't, I don't want to be that. Then they find you. That's not. Nah, I gotta make you in the suit. That's too much. But check out, he didn't just disrespect them by desecrating their bodies and turning them as acid. Let's check out what he did with them. Uh, if It might be coming up later, but eventually I'll tell you what he did with them once he did that. Oh, yeah. Then, then once the bodies were reduced to little more than liquid, Iqbal poured the contents of the barrels into sewer and rivers near his home. So he would pour them down the sewers or into the river, polluting. With bones? Acid, flesh, soup. Probably some, yeah, definitely. You can't dissolve all the bones. bones. Right. But, like, yeah, mostly just Mm. a a fleshy, acidy, 
That's disgusting. Fluid poured into the drains, into the rivers that people get water from. Mm. It's disgusting. Prior to the start of his killing spree, multiple criminal complaints were filed against Iqbal, accusing him of sexually assaulting and sodomizing children. However, Iqbal's father was a respected and powerful businessman in Lahore, and he used his influence to keep his son out of jail. Mm. Consequently, prior to his murder spree in 1999, Mm. Iqbal was never convicted of sodomy, leaving him free to eventually take the lives of 100 children. So basically, because he always got off, there was no, it was all like whisper, like, yeah, no, we don't, we don't like him. But there was no police records for people to be keep police to be keeping an eye on this oh, guy because okay. his dad always got him out of trouble whenever it would come up mm. and it built and built and built. And then eventually he snapped and he went on a murder spree. Mm. He killed, did all this in eight months. Keep that in mind. Iqbal later said that when he was arrested and questioned by police, he was beaten and brutalized and he claimed the abuse he suffered at the hands of law enforcement in his mid twenties motivated him to kill the young boys and teenagers. So he was really? saying that, Hey man, really? I may have liked to rape boys, but I didn't choose to start killing them until police brutally beat me, and that was kind of my trigger to uh, I had a mental break and I started killing kids. Sure, I believe yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, one of the main reasons Javed Iqbal was able to get away with raping and sexually assaulting children over the course of several years was because his father was an incredibly wealthy stock market trader who had amassed a large fortune. A fortune. Is that class warfare? Yeah, fortune. Fortune. <laughs> yeah, a large fortune. So that's that's that class warfare, man. Iqbal's father, Muhammad, bought his son a villa to live in. What? And he also helped his son start a steel recasting business in 1978 that allowed Iqbal to enjoy a lavish lifestyle. You got money, you just do a whole bunch of shit, huh? Yeah, man. Must you be can nice. take children off the streets and rape them in your villa. What a gross piece of shit, man. Uh, after Muhammad passed away in 1993, Iqbal, who was in his late 30s at the time, inherited more than 3 million rupees from his father's estate, making him even richer. Wow. Iqbal used this windfall to build a massive home, complete with a swimming pool, because you know kids love to swim, uh, as well as to purchase four different vehicles. In a chamber. You have a chamber? Oh, no, he didn't have a chamber. Oh. Check this fucking shit out, right? Using the considerable inheritance he received after his father's death, Iqbal opened a number of different businesses designed to help him meet and sexually assault young boys and teenagers. Mm. One of these businesses was a video game store. Mm. So it's like bait. Oh, it's exactly. It's not like bait. It was bait. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 man. I just opened up an ice cream parlor and a candy shop. And do you like puppies? You know, it's like and for him to have the reputation that he had. None of the businesses really last, lasted very long, which I'll get to because they're like, oh, wait, no, that, that's that guy. That, that's, he runs that business? He runs the new puppy store? Oh, don't go there anymore. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's molested children before. So In um, here. He molested children in here. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, let me get to uh, his whole strategy and everything is in here. So uh, Iqbal would reportedly leave money on the floor of the shop waiting to see which of his uh, young customers would pick up the cash then Iqbal would accuse the boy of trying to steal from him, and he would take the thief into another room, presumably for some sort of punishment, and then he would sodomize the child. So uh, he would he would lure children of low to no means into his video game store, and then he would throw a wad of money down the ground. 
And then if he saw a kid take it, he'd be like, you're a thief. Come to the back. And then he'd sodomize them. That's gross. It's extremely gross. After the video game shop closed, Iqbal opened more businesses, including an aquarium, a gym, a general store, which probably sells candy and all kind of stuff like mm. that, uh, and even a school, which is like, you're just not even he being slick about it. He's got a of money. Yeah, man. Three million rupees would go a long way in, in, pa- know, in Pakistan, know, apparently. I don't know how much that is. Don't ask me, because I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but none of these entrepreneurial endeavors lasted for very long because parents were afraid to let their children go to places run by Iqbal. In addition to finding victims through the various businesses he created, Iqbal also met boys through pen pal programs, which was the creepy internet uh, before there was creepy internet people. So he was a creepy internet guy before there was creepy internet. Actually, right around. It's like 99. So he just... Everybody in everybody in Pakistan didn't have a computer, so he it was easier to be a pen pal, I guess. Pen pal. You remember that? It's funny. Yeah. I remember in third grade, man. They had us like make pen pal letters uh, to on like um, snowmen and send them to like Japan or something, but it was probably all bullshit. They probably just went in the basement and the teachers wrote out responses. I don't think, I don't think I had a, I don't think, uh, I don't think Watanabe san was like a real. (laughs) We weren't friends. wasn't a real friendship. I I don't think he watched Power Rangers too. Uh, It's probably, probably all fake. yeah, so reportedly Iqbal would find pen pals through magazines for children and begin correspondences with them. Eventually, he would convince his pen pals to send him pictures of themselves, and he would focus his attention on the children he found most attractive. Iqbal groomed these chosen boys by sending them gifts until he was able to arrange in-person meetings when he, where he sexually assaulted and sodomized his pen pals. In September 1998, Iqbal was hospitalized for 22 days after he and one of his employees named Arbob were beaten and robbed by another man who worked for him. However, after Iqbal was released from the hospital, he was immediately arrested and charged with sodomy. While he had been lying in the hospital unconscious, the result of a severe head injury suffered during the attack, Arbob's family had filed a complaint with the police alleging that Iqbal had sodomized Arbob. Mm. So the dude that he got beat up with, his family was like, oh, no, you you raped our son. Right. So we're filing charges against you. Mm. Iqbal was granted bail, but when he tried to return to his lavish home, he discovered his house as well as his businesses and vehicles had all been sold to pay for his medical care. Mm. You come home and I mean, look, the guy's a sick pervert, but you got beat up and that cost you all your stuff. That's crazy. That's why. That's insane. Like, <laughs> oh, you got beat up 22 days in the hospitals. That's kind of a lengthy hospital stay. Mm-hmm. But you had three million rupees. Uh, also, just to be clear, it's not a fact free zone. I don't know what the currency exchange of that yeah, is. That's, that I looked sounds it up. It's like that much lot. money. And uh, U.S. dollars is like. Uh. Maybe like three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, but I feel like three hundred thousand dollars. That's that mean that that means that those rupees wouldn't get you very far here. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I'm yeah. sure three Nail, million yeah. three million rupees got to be that got to be a, that got to be three million rupees. Like I would imagine, you know, a candy bar costs a rupee. You know, that's all, that's my assumption. I could be completely <laughs> wrong. I don't know how they're doing over there, but three million rupees sounds like a lot. Mm-hmm. So for you to get out of the hospital and it's like. 
oh yeah, all your money and all your possessions. I mean, if he opened businesses like you know, like it's nothing. Yeah, sure. I'm sure he didn't have three million rupees in the bank. He was busy trying to uh, fund his sexual exploits with children. So he had like four businesses and all this kind of stuff. Maybe he had a lot of overhead, and then 22 days out of commission might just ruin you. Yeah. So yeah, all right, I'll go with that. We'll go with that. You know. Oh yeah, so all his stuff had been sold for uh, to pay for his medical care, and consequently, Iqbal was broke and homeless. Wow. So he rented a house in a Lahore slum, the place where he would eventually take the lives of 100 children. So this was the stressor. What? So this was the stressor. He lost all of his, his money, and he, he evolved from just a sexual assaulter to a murderer after he lost everything, and then he was, he was living amongst these kids. Because before... Uh, the sexual assault stuff was like a little vacation. It was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I'll get them to come to me, uh, do my whatever, and then send them on their way. They even say sometimes he'd let them keep the money that he would throw on the ground mm-hmm. after he sexually assaulted them. Like, yeah, you keep hold on to that, mm-hmm. you keep that. But now you're living amongst them. Now you're in the slums too. Yeah. And I think maybe that was the stressor that made him go from just sexual assault to murder because mm-hmm. he was just amongst them. Yeah. All the time now. So in November of 1999, uh, Iqbal decided to confess to the murders by sending a letter to the police. In the letter, which was received by law enforcement in early December 1999, Iqbal admitted to killing 100 beggar children by strangling them to death. Mm. He also included details about dismembering his victims and dissolving their remains in barrels of acid. Iqbal sent a similar letter to the Daily Jang, his local newspaper, and although correspondence was unsigned, it included directions to his home. So he stayed anonymous, but he was like, and all all of the evidence is at this location. So they all went to- did all, On purpose? Huh? So he, he, did, he wanted to get caught. He confessed, but like he didn't because he didn't put his name on it. But he still confessed. He said, go to my house. You go to yeah. his house and his license is there. Or something <laughs> else. You still confess. You just- I don't know why. Maybe he just forgot to put his name on it. Try to be funny, huh? Yeah, I guess. Um, maybe maybe he wanted them to work harder or something. Like you can't just know who I am. You got to figure it out. Go right. get the clues from the house. Oh, there's ID. Yeah. So consequently, reporters uh, arrived at Iqbal's home before the police. Wow. Uh, although newspaper staff contacted law enforcement after they made a number of shocking discoveries in the confessed killer's rented house. So he gave he. He he let he informed the media quicker than he informed the police, mm-hmm. and then the the media went there, went in the house, and they called law enforcement when they started seeing fucked up shit, which I'll get to. When police searched Iqbal's home, they discovered two large drums containing acid and the dissolved remaining the, the dissolved remains of three children. And two drums? Yes. Damn. They also found note cards that provided information about his victims, including their names, ages, physical descriptions. And the dates they were killed. Wow. Covering the walls of his home. Wow. So they walked into like a nightmare scene, you know. And this guy was meticulous enough to have like stat cards. Like, that's gross. And bodies on hand. Like bodies mm. at his home, you know, that he didn't, that he hadn't dumped yet. The authorities also recovered photographs Iqbal had taken of his victims and bags of children's clothes and shoes, which provided proof that Iqbal had been telling the truth when he claimed responsibility for the murders of 100 boys. Mm. Armed with evidence to support his confession, Pakistani police launched a massive manhunt that lasted for one month until Iqbal turned himself in on December 30th, 1999, 
right before the Y2K. Remember, I was, were you scared on Y2K? But the world was going to end? Yeah. Yeah. I was terrified. We went to church, Mind lit candles. And we aren't even religious like that. So that's how I know we were scared. That's great. And we sat in a church in the dark with candles. And Just then midnight, And then midnight happened, and we were like, well, maybe it happened while we're asleep. Not exactly at midnight. So I went home and had some oodles and noodles and went to sleep. And when I woke up, we weren't dead. So we just was like. I couldn't deal with that. That was, a, that was one of those days, the, like the day of, like when you wake up, there's like, that's embarrassing. I you know, nobody brought it up. Nobody was like, wow, we, went, we like went to church and stuff. We were scared. Nobody brought it up. We didn't all like hug like, oh, we're alive. It was like, man, that was dumb. That I couldn't really deal dumb. with that. That's too much. What? Having that kind of, that type of fear. I was eight. I, I didn't mean, really uh, understand what was going yeah, on. Yeah, okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Thought the world's gonna end. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess it's almost over. I don't, I don't even think I remember even like tripping about it. Maybe it was like watch cartoons. Like, whoop. Yeah, I don't know. They say something bad. That's, I mean, that's when we, were, <laughs> we were kids. I don't, I, you can't comprehend the concept yeah. of like the world ending every day. You know, yeah, I watch I these cartoons. Yeah, and then if it happens, yeah, the con just don't exist anymore or something. <laughs> I don't know how it works. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So however. Instead of going to a local police station, Iqbal went to the Daily Jang, an Urdu newspaper, to surrender. So when he turned himself in, he, again, he turned himself into the news media, which is like clearly this guy wants to be famous and yeah. known and a hundred people. And, you know, uh, it was it was very much a, he wanted to be he wanted to be the most infamous serial killer in Pakistani history. And so he worked towards it. It was like a goal of his. That's and that's why I went to the media first instead of you want to turn yourself in, but you want to turn yourself into the media first. And it's just a lot of gross shit. I won't be famous that way. Do something else. Write a book. Do something. Uh, we, we kill we, people. We, we and... can never know how these people think because we're not we're not sick like them. They're sick, you know, so mm. I never try to be like, I mean, if I wanted to be famous, I'd start a podcast or whatever. You know, it's like I'm not a serial killer, so I don't even think of. <laughs> That's not even an option to be like, well, if I kill people, you get real famous quickly that way, too. Uh, but whatever. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, according to the staff at the newspaper, Iqbal didn't express any remorse for his crimes. Instead, stating, I hate this world. I'm not ashamed of my action and I am ready to die. I have no regrets. I killed 100 children. Now, what is something we always say here? You got to keep that same energy, right? That is not something he does. As I continue to read, you will see how he folded like the worm that he is. Mm. <clears throat> um, so he also gave Daily Jang staff a 32-page journal that contained details about the sexual assaults and murders, as well as pictures he had taken of the boys he'd sodomized and killed. The staff at the newspaper contacted the police, and Iqbal was prominently arrested. So he walked up in the news station like, yeah, it's me. I did that. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, here's my book that I keep. I'm a fucking serial killer, and I don't care about anything. Mm -hmm. I'm that savage, right? So the police come, they arrest him, um, and in order to find out if uh, if their missing sons had been sexually assaulted and strangled to death by Javed Iqbal, a number of parents whose children had disappeared sorted through items taken from the confessed killer's home, which this sounds like... This is the saddest visual of you trying to remember if uh, I brought my kid a teal shirt with a duck on it. and You have to go through piles and piles of 
of clothes mm. to see if anything looks like something that your kid had because there's no bodies because he dissolved them in acid. Mm. So, um, so yeah, so there, so parents had to do that. Um, officials found five bags of children's clothing in Iqbal's house, Dang. as well as three bags containing a total of 85 pairs of shoes. Wow. And distraught parents sifted through these piles of clothing and footwear to see their children's belongings, to see if their children's belongings were among them. Parents of missing children also looked through the photographs Iqbal had taken of his victims to see if the confessed murderer had snapped their son's picture prior to killing them. This all just sounds like a nightmare. I couldn't. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's like... I couldn't do that. This sounds so terrible. Um, when officers searched uh, Iqbal's home, they discovered the pedophile and child murderer had been sharing his house with three teenage boys. Law enforcement suspected the teenagers, who were aged 13, 15, and 17, were Iqbal's accomplices. Mm -hmm. So three of the boys, who were only publicly identified by their last names were charged in connection with the crimes and stood trial in February of 2000. Oh, so he was alive. Oh, yeah. They were, yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the kids in the photo that they took of them is smiling in the middle. Ah. Uh, so Sajid, who was 17, was convicted of 98 counts of murder, and he was given both a death sentence and 686 years in prison, which, Dang. I don't know, you know, I don't know. You only can do one, you know, so you can't even do the other one, really, you, you know. <laughs> 17 probably you can't do, like, do, you can't do yeah, it you probably do like 80 of that maybe if you're lucky if you if those if those genes hold up you live to be 97 so you do 80 of that 686 or they kill you so but yeah no that they they convicted him on like a lot of that 98 counts to get to not to get to 686 years that's a lot of fucking time uh not I'd, I'd rather hear that than life you'd rather hear 686 years than life yeah why Life mean you just hear that it's like, well, I'm dying here, but six hundred, maybe, maybe what? Maybe I'll live. <laughs> maybe Man, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what you are. I'm gonna move on. That's the weirdest shit I've ever heard you say. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you'll live to be six hundred and eighty-six years old. Yeah, but when you hear life, it's like that's the that's the end. But when you hear any sane person, six hundred, any sane like, person that hears nah, six hundred years, that's. That's life. Too. I just think it sounds better than hearing <laughs> life to me personally. But All right, man, hey, I can't. You know, when people people don't realize how much when you put that on there, that's the conversation ender. Because I can't tell you how to feel, man. So if that's her, how you feel personally, hey, man, then that's that's how you feel. So I'm gonna get back to my story. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, 600 years. Yeah. You got life? No, I got 600. No, I got 600 years. years. All right. 686 years. But when you say life, you are like, yeah. damn. Got a possibility of, of parole after like 340. Yeah. So you when know. you when you say life, people are like, damn. But we got 6600. People are like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so Nadim was so Nadim was 15. He was given 186 years in prison. Now that is a little. That's a little more. That's still crazy, but that's a little more like. But what? Better than it's life. A, that's a little. How's that than not life. the same though? Then six hundred and eighty-three years. How one hundred and what? Eighty-six. It's all crazy. Yeah, but you, you ain't gonna but, live to be but, either. No, though. but you're still like. All right, it still sounds better than life though. But one hundred eighty-six, you can. What's go, the difference? Because uh, one hundred eighty-six, you can go. Well, if I do ninety of them, I might get a, a parole after I do ninety years, and then I'll be one hundred and seven. Which we've done a person on this show who was 107 years old. On that the was good a vibe segment. Yeah, but that was a working human being. 
He had Did a he son. Work in jail? He had a son that was 80, 90 years old. That's yeah. just good genetics. I don't know the Pakistani uh, birth he rates, not, uh, death rates. I don't mm. know that. You're not, you're not, you're not going, you're not living to be 380 years old. I know, but I'm just saying it sounds better than life. Just like you said, it still sounds a little better than life. 187 years. Anybody doing that much time? Nobody's doing five. No, that's and, and, and right, what man. you said it's was five hundred more it's years. The, it's the same thing. All right, that's cool. <laughs> so he got he got one hundred eighty six years. And after all the arguing, we get down to the last guy, uh, whose name was Sabir. He was thirteen, and he was sentenced to forty two years. I would much rather hear that than life. Yeah, me too. I think we could both agree on that, right? But it, all, it depends if you're like fifty years old. You really threw me off with the six hundred eighty. I've never heard that take before. Like, yeah, I'd rather hear that than life. All right. Uh, <laughs> even though Javed Iqbal had sent confessions to the police and press and surrendered himself at the at a local newspaper and left a mountain of evidence in his home, when it came time for him to stand trial for murdering 100 children, he denied any involvement with the killings. Initially, he said he confessed to the murders because he wanted to draw attention to the dangers of experienced by children living on the streets of Pakistan. Bro. He was just a good Samaritan. They found- he, was, he was doing this because people need to know what it's like to be a kid living on the streets in the slums of Pakistan. I was just bringing awareness. What about the evidence? He wasn't trying to hear none of that. I slapped him in the back. Uh, what? Man, yeah. if you don't... As well, <laughs> as well as the country's lack of concern for the plight of people living in poverty. So he just was bringing awareness. Later... Iqbal changed his story again, and he testified that 20 of his friends had murdered the children in his home. And he'd confessed to the killings because he felt guilty for not saving the boys' lives. He also said he'd admitted to the murders because he thought it was the only way he could make the police aware of the brutal killings perpetrated by his friends. However, on March 9th, 2000, which was the year Biggie, the month was the month and day that Biggie Smalls died mm. uh, and was besmirched by. That was way more important. This is way more important than that, of course, but, you know, rest in peace, Biggie Smalls. Never hear March 9th, it always reminds me. The greatest rapper died on March 9th. Uh, March 9th, 2000, Iqbal changed his story yet again, instead telling the court that none of the children had actually been murdered and denying any crime had actually occurred. However, the judge presiding over the trial wasn't convinced of Iqbal's latest story. On March 15, 2000, Iqbal was convicted of killing 100 children. And in keeping with Islamic Sharia law, a judge sentenced him to die in the same way that many of his victims had been murdered. Do they still have that? Sharia law is a thing. They're trying to, you know, um, the thing about Sharia law, when people hear it, they get all terrified because they think that's Sharia law is a bastardized version of religion right uh-huh. so basically sh- a version of sharia law could happen in america and it kind of is happening in, in america and i don't mean sharia literal sharia law so sharia law is just um people who got in power of the government mm-hmm. and they followed the quran and this other book that i can't remember right now and they take things from those books and try to make them applicable to society right mm-hmm. so if it says like an eye for an eye then a law is like you know if you steal from somebody, then we cut your hand off. Mm. That's them taking the religious part of their life and trying to make it a part of the government. Here in America, apparently somewhere in the Bible it says don't get abortions or don't, whatever. And so the Republican Congress is like, you know, and there's probably some Democrats who are pro-life. Mm. They're like, no, we're trying to get rid of Roe versus Wade. But 
uh, abortions will be illegal. That's against God. That's a form of Christian Sharia law. That's you taking some book that you read, not this, not to t attack anybody's religious beliefs, but it's taking a book that you believe and trying to apply that into society in ways that can be detrimental to people. Mm -hmm. And that's what Sharia law is. That's them saying, you know, oh, I'm sure somewhere in the Quran it says, like, if you do this to a person, like in some, some biblical kind of way, if you do this to a man, then that should be done to unto you for a thousand years. Right. And they go, well, instead of the thousand years part, if you do this to a person, by law, that's going to be done to you. And that's what Sharia law is. Hmm. So this guy, he, uh, he molested. He got raped by 100 people? No, 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 oh. no, no. They, they, you know, they clean it up a bit, you know, to oh. make it, but not really though. So, uh, so he killed a hundred children, and uh, the judge sentenced him to die in the same way as the uh, some of the people that he was murdered. And consequently, the judge ordered for Iqbal to be strangled one hundred times, okay, with a metal chain until he was dead. A hundred times. Maybe right to edge him, like right to you, almost die. Then stop. Then do it again. I don't know how you strangle someone a hundred times, but hey. I'm not here to attack the judge, the court system. I don't know. Uh, so then after now, after he's dead, the judge then wanted Iqbal's body to be cut into a 100 pieces and dissolved in acid. And he asked that the killing and dismemberment be performed in front of the parents of the children he'd killed, which I don't know if they'd like that. I, I don't know if they'd be cheering for that, but I don't know. I don't really. I mean, I don't know. Mm -hmm. That just sounds brutal. That his sounds, tip of the finger is for whatever his name is. Yeah, Wink. it just sounds so brutal and yeah. like not that like know. imagine that do already. Um, um, what documentary did you watch? Into the Abyss. When that girl said she saw the the kid that killed her brother, she went to his uh death sentence, mm -hmm. and she was like, it it didn't do anything, and that was just chemicals. Yeah, Imagine watching somebody be hacked into a hundred pieces. That's like, oh, not only does this not make me feel better for my my kid being dead, I now I'm scarred by seeing that for the rest of my life. Because that's, I mean, I'm not sure what people. I mean, Pakistan is, they've seen some war zones and horrible things, so they're a little probably a lot more desensitized and living in less of a fantasy than Americans are. Where it's like, oh man, I woke up today, I'm gonna go get some PF Changs and. You know, get in my car and maybe I have to stop at the gas station. Oh, man, that's all. Oh, my day is going to be hectic. And people in Pakistan are like, a hospital was bombed today and 400 people died. So mm. I don't know if maybe I'm not saying anybody's desensitized to seeing somebody get hacked into 100 pieces. But if you sh if if I saw that, I'd have nightmares for the rest of my life. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, people in, that wouldn't do anything for you. Seeing somebody get hacked. I mean, into what? 100 pieces in front of you. Justice. No. Oh no! I'm, I thought you were saying like that wouldn't affect you in any kind of no, way. No, 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 no. I'm talking oh, yeah. about as far as being a, yeah, it a parent. Yeah, wouldn't make you feel better. It's like right. my kid's still dead, and now I just saw that. Yeah, that's. I think that's the American evaluation of that situation. Pakistani people might be like, my kid's still dead, and I don't feel better about this. But maybe it's like I've seen so many other nightmarish things that I, I'm not scarred by this, but it didn't help. Right. Okay. Not to say that yeah. I'm sure Pakistan. There are people in Pakistan probably who haven't seen somebody blown up or mm. cut into a hundred. But there are people who have. So, you know, maybe some of those people were like, this didn't, this didn't, I didn't, that didn't need to be a part of it. Like, you guys need to see it too. That needs to be a part of the, 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 the ruling as me as the judge. So, yeah, so, so uh, that was uh, how they, that's how they, that was the sentence that he was given. Uh, following the sentencing, Iqbal's attorney said he would appeal the sentence, claiming that this sort of punishment would not be allowed. 
which it is, it is a little extensive. That's a lot. Uh, Javid remained in prison while he appealed his sentence, but he and one of his accomplices were found dead in the jail cells on October 8th, 2001. Mm. While both their deaths were officially declared suicides by hanging, an autopsy revealed they had been severely beaten shortly before they died. Consequently, many suspect Iqbal and his accomplice were killed while in prison, and their deaths were staged to look like suicides. Mm. After Iqbal died at the age of 45, no one from his family claimed his body as they all disowned, they all disowned him after his crimes were exposed. Good. Very good. I would not want to. I, I would not want to be associated with that at all. Mm. Uh, while Iqbal is dead, either murdered or by or killed by his own hand, he lives on in Pakistan's collective memory as the worst known serial killer in the country's history. And that was Iqbal. Well, that was Javed Iqbal, um, the infamous sick rapist. fuck who murdered and sodomized a hundred boys. Wow. Super fucked up shit. Yeah. Uh, but I mean. Yeah. Hmm. Got something to add? Or? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, you know, something is back to the regular standard, and I'm not gonna call you out, but there was a bit of uproar on Twitter because people were saying they think that you got the riddle wrong, and that um, you know what? I, I was that I was. I that do I was, not care. That's fine. That's that's cool. That's you didn't cool. solve it, so I don't care. That's fine. But you know something? It's back to the regular format. So right. it, it's time. It's time to frazzle friend. Yes, that's right. Back to the way things should be. Welcome to another installment of Frazzle Fran, the game show where I try to frustrate, flummox, and frazzle my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Fran, are you ready to be frazzled back to the natural order of things this week? Yeah, man. Come on. Let's go. Okay. <clears throat> A couple went on their honeymoon trip, but only the husband returned from the vacation and said that his wife met an unfortunate accident and died. The police arrested him saying, your travel agent called. You murdered your wife. How did the agent know that it was a murder? I'll read that again. A couple went on their honeymoon trip, but only the husband returned from the vacation and said that his wife met an unfortunate accident and died. The police arrested him saying, your travel agent called. You murdered your wife. How did the agent know that this was a murder. The travel agent called and said, you what? You murdered your wife? The travel agent called and said, you murdered your wife. And the police... Oh, no, no, the, the police said the travel agent called them and told us that you murdered your wife. How did the travel agent know that? Um, because he lied. Because... Um... She didn't plan the trip. Who who didn't plan the, the trip? The travel agent did. So the travel agent lied? He lied. He said, wait. 
Wait, they didn't ask him. Hold on, wait. Yeah, yeah, no. The police. The police the said police, the travel agent called. They got a tip from the travel agent. Uh-huh. From the, the travel agent called the police. The travel agent didn't call him. Right. The travel agent called the police and said, hey, man, this dude murdered his wife. Mm-hmm. How'd the travel agent know that, know that, and call the police? Uh, how did the travel agent know that? Did he say where he went? No. But he came back by himself. And what did he say? He said, what? He said, what happened to her? He said she, she met an unfortunate accident. I'm okay. so sad. I came back and without my wife. And I'm sad. And the travel agent was like, that wasn't an accident. You murdered her officer. Hmm. Because I'm going to go with, um, sorry. I'm going to go with. Something about the, it being a vacation, uh-huh. but they was on a honeymoon. Uh-huh. Something about that. Is and it? so what was the question again? How, how did how the did travel, travel agent... agent know this wasn't an unfortunate accident? And in fact, a murder. Uh, because he came back by himself. Gonna go with that. But he would have came back by himself anyway. I don't care. You're wrong. You failed. What do you mean he came back by himself anyway? She died. If it was an accident or if it was a murder, either way, he was coming back by himself. She's dead. Wait, now I'm confused. Yeah, <laughs> and, you, and you will remain confused. Wait, what? You will remain confused. All right, silence! Tell me, no, you silence! Tell me that. No, no, you silence! Because last week, I know that you intentionally did it wrong in order to frazzle me. This is not my game show. It is to frazzle you. And you are frazzled because you are wrong. So and I don't answer? need to explain why you're wrong. You're wrong because the travel agent knows that it was a murder because he only bought... One-way tickets. The tickets were only one way. He bought him and his wife tickets too, but he only bought him a ticket back. So he planned to kill her on the vacation because she didn't have a ticket to come back home. How would how would I know that information that he bought one ticket? Because it's a riddle, man. You're supposed to guess for the thing outside the box. There was no... What? The travel agent. She sets up the trips. But there was no... There was no... uh. He bought one ticket time. But how was I supposed to know that? You got to guess, man. It's yeah, a that's, riddle. But that's terrible. Hey. Hey, you got frazzled last week, so hey, don't hey, get mad at me. But hey, that man. was a terrible riddle. Hey, that man. was that was horrible. I'm not upset about being frazzled. No. Nah. I'm upset that you nah. had the audacity. Because <laughs> I know you did it on purpose. That was horrible. And we won't even dive into it. Yeah. But you read that on purpose wrong last week. And I don't even care, man. I don't how? Even care. What, what I don't happened? I don't care, man. I don't even, I don't even care. What happened? It's not even a big deal. But. You read it wrong to besmirch my character. What was it? You said the news, the newspaper uh, person, there was a newspaper there on Tuesday, but not on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. But there was milk there on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then the mailman came on Friday, and then the mailman was the person that did it? I didn't say any of that. You, I've that's read, what you read. I read the riddle, and I read you the answer, and you got it wrong. 
So I don't know. Your riddle was written wrong because there would have been there was no newspaper there on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday because the newspaper man came, dropped his newspaper off, killed the man, and then he never came back again. And so why would it be the mailman? I didn't write the riddle. When's the last time you delivered a newspaper, friend? I didn't write the riddle. When's the last time you delivered a newspaper, friend? I delivered. What do you mean? Didn't I tell you people get the Dundalk Eagle all the time? That's oh, a newspaper. Oh, the Dundalk Eagle, the nonsense. I'm sick of it. This has been another episode. So you uh, got, you were wrong last week and trying to take it out on me. I I don't <laughs> I don't care. I don't even care. I'm not even emotionally invested in anything. Yeah, you I are. No, I don't. Yeah, you are. I don't even care about it. I don't even care. But I was but I wasn't wrong. But I don't even care because it's not it's not my segment. This is <laughs> Frazzle Fran. It's not Frazzle Me. I don't care. I don't care about Why it. Why are you so salty? I'm not salty. You Do I look salty. like a cracker? You're salty. I'm not salty. You Do I look salty. like a cracker? Yeah. This has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. And things have been restored to the way they should be. <laughs> where Fran is frazzled. And that is the way it will continue to be. I've been Alvin Williams. Join us always. Salty by my... Alvin Williams. I've been Alvin Williams. Join us always. Are sweating? I have. You're salty. I don't appreciate you bringing up the sweat. You know I have a follicular issue, and that's that's a low blow, and I don't appreciate it. This has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams. Joined as always by my partner, Trish, my friend, Sweater. And we will see you guys next week. Deuces. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park